All right, we are live. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Break the Rules stream. I am your host, very fashionably dressed today, Lev Polyakov at LevPo on Twitter, drinking some raw milk that I got at the local farm. RIP, by the way, to Styx's uh, local farm in Vermont. I heard that the... Uh, uh, the COVID uh, pandemic kind of got rid of every, uh, yeah, unfortunately. But you know what? We have to support our local farms whenever we can. We are here today with the Grace Hexenhammer 666 speaking with Lore, who was originally from Switzerland. She came to America, and we are discussing American-related issues, specifically critical race theory, gentrification, and we're going to be talking about guns again. So listen, everybody who is here, be sure to like, subscribe. We also have a confirmation. Alex Stein, not next Tuesday, but the following Tuesday, live with sticks. That is happening. Look forward to that. Subscribe, like, share this video out with everybody. And if you want to support the stream, bringing all the people together, patreon.com slash break the rules is where you go. I'm going to put a link in the chat. So let us first start with Lore. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mode of getting Styx's attention and doing this, bringing you two together. This is this is unprecedented. I love the fact that you two are together right now because I would never imagine this. So just tell us a little bit about this and we'll get this started. So I started um, on Twitter six years ago. Um, I wanted to understand why people would vote for Trump. I couldn't figure out why anybody would want to vote for him. So I was um, uh, intrigued and Twitter gives me the possibility to go and talk to anybody. I can talk to a famous person just like I can talk to any any other person. And uh, I guess me and uh, Sticks, I guess I've been following him for a long time. Uh, uh, I like the way he approaches his subjects, even if I don't agree with really probably not much anyway. <laughs> but um, uh, I guess him and I started talking sometimes and just now we're here you know he said debate me i said okay I've, this is his thing i'm i'm new at this so hmm. um and listen everybody in the chat please give respect to Laura for doing this it's amazing that she is uh doing this that she has the cojones to be live here i think that is worthy of respect so regardless of whether you agree or disagree with her thank you Laura, for doing this so let's uh start with uh, crt how do you view CRT education in general? What kind of informs the way that you view it uh, this way? So we'll start from there and then we'll go to gentrification. And I think the two do end up uh, uh, coalescing as well. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So CRT is uh, a law, a study, a study, an analysis used in law school. Now, today, in uh, colloquial, normal, everybody language crt is everything under the sun that is um pro-black or equality or equity or um uh anything really uh the heritage foundation um says that crt is influenced pro, uh, blm protests diversity training LGBT clubs in school, uh, reparation, talks about reparation. I mean, CRT now includes really anything and everything that has to do with racism um, or talking about racism. Um, 
what uh, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, well, no, your your position regarding whether CRT is something that should be taught, whether oh, you okay. support CRT. Okay, so is that CRT is or the the victims of racism a voice and in that i think yes it should it should be it should exist it should be 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 spoken of and and taught the problem comes when uh if somebody was to start saying white people all white people are bad people or all white people are are evil then it goes into these extremes which is what the opposition is saying. They're saying that the goal of CRT is to divide people into groups, uh, have the identities of uh, the oppressor and the oppressed. And um, I'm not, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think anybody should be qualified as an oppressed or an oppressor. I think that we have to look at history and we need to understand history and always giving only one point of view of history is not a good idea. So in that, I guess I like CRT because it opens up a uh, uh, it opens up an idea that there's not just one point of view. Well, let's get into that, Sticks. Uh, what would be your uh, rebuttal? Uh, my rebuttal is multifaceted. First, that uh, critical race theory uh, there are several bases academically for it, uh, and I've laid them out in my booklet, which I, I supplied to you uh, on the subject, too. You did and, not supply, uh, but okay. Huh? You did not supply. I asked you if you could send it to me, and I couldn't get it. I, 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 I was not. I was. I supplied you with the original Vox article that I actually derived the entire thing from. We can uh, yes. go back to the messages for that. Um, what I would say is this. Um, critical race theory is being ill-defined here by lore. Um, that is not what critical race theory actually pertains to, not in any pragmatic sense. If we're talking just about a bunch of ivory tower wonks that are talking about critical race theory, yes, it is theoretical. It is a theoretical and largely legal subject. The problem is that, and, and this is really why we're talking at all, this, this is why it is a public conversation of any form. Critical race theory in the academic sense, as in a bunch of ivory tower goofballs talking about theory. Nobody really cares about that. They also talk about Marxism and reactionary rhetoric and, and all of these other things. It's just theory. It's just philosophy. What happens is that it has now trickled down. It has been used as the basis for taxpayer-funded educational materials. And what parents have pointed out, what I've pointed out, and what many others have pointed out, is that it is not acceptable for individuals within a taxpayer-funded public school. If it's a private school, nobody cares. They can do whatever they want. They can teach the Bible uh, all they want. They can teach the Quran. I don't really care. In a tax-funded school, the big problem is that they're teaching revisionist history, which is exactly what critical race theory happens to be. Uh, it is not reality. Uh, the idea is, is basically the cotton skyscrapers mythology. The idea uh, is that white culture has created a society and ingrained in that. And this was one of the points, one of the five major points that I showed you from the Vox article that I wrote about. One of the major points is that the society has been structured in such a way as to prevent individuals who are not white from gaining any upward mobility. The same exact premise 
um, is then discounted, though, in one of their other uh, theoretical arguments, one of the other five points that they make, again, I wrote about this, uh, in that they say that it is also a good idea to empower the legal system, which they themselves claim has been created by white people, for white people, is staffed by white people, in order to empower people who are not white. My big problem is, is manifold here. The first problem that I have is that they posit that the authoritarian growth of a legal system that they themselves claim is deeply problematic and corrupted will somehow empower people that are the victims of the current corruption of that same system. I think that's crazy. The second problem is the revisionist history. That is the deep focus on, hey, the United States was effectively built by a bunch of brown people and white people want to discredit them and jail them and, and make them subservient in some way. Again, the same government doing that, staffed largely by a bunch of rich people, somehow escapes notice. Um, I find it deeply objectionable that CRT would be pushed on people in schools specifically funded by tax money because parents simply do not want it in those schools. We've seen this time and time again. And I do believe that taxpayers do have the right to inform the educational standards within their schools. Nobody is claiming that opposes CRT, as, as you apparently believe, that we shouldn't be teaching about slavery. We shouldn't be teaching about Jim Crow, including the dawn of gun control in the United States. I strongly suppose I strongly support uh, uh, embellishing upon that and making that a, a subtopic of note. Um, nobody's mm. saying that people shouldn't learn about these things. Nobody's claiming that people shouldn't learn about redlining, et cetera, et cetera. What we are claiming is that people shouldn't be learning white man bad, skyscrapers made of cotton, or, hey, Karl Marx actually had a really good idea. Because the other problem with critical race theory, and it openly promotes this, it openly admits to it in the academic sense, and this is divorced from the sense that the educational system implements it as, they openly profess that they were influenced by Karl Marx. And that, again, to me, is deeply disturbing because communism is one of the greatest killers uh, in mankind's history, uh, bar none, uh, effectively the worst. And uh, I don't believe that that filth should be taught in public schools, no. So, so <laughs> you think that communism is being taught? Communism yes. is not. Communism is being taught the idea that everybody should be equal and everybody should earn equal and everything should be owned by the state. And you should not promote a free market and enterprise and capitalism. Well, critical critical race theory is a subcomponent of uh, Marxism. It openly alludes to the fact that it is influenced by it. What I, I, I've, I, I know well, it, well, it is. Yeah. I know yeah. who wrote it. I know the, yeah. pe the people who wrote it. I, I, I agree with that. But the, the, to take that <laughs> and to say that communism is being taught in school, I, I don't even understand how you how you think that, how you it's a, it's a component. It's, it's a component of communism. It's self-professed by the people that actually push it in the academic sense. What I what I look at is, is I understand is the academic sense understand mm -hmm. that you're saying who I know who wrote it I know who who these people were influenced by they know they say that they're influenced by that well are not our public schools not an academic uh, construct are public schools not an academic construct what do you mean 
Well, I mean, you're uh, you're trying to parse aside the academic context of the self-professed Marxist influence from critical race theory being taught more broadly. Are public schools in which any element of that being taught not academic complexes? I would think, I would hope so. I guess these days, maybe not so much. <laughs> basically daycares these days. But. I, I, I understand that you're, what you're trying to allude to, I understand the root of this theory. I don't see it expressed in a school. I don't see how communism is being taught in school. Nobody wants communism. There are no communist uh, political leaders right now in our country. Nobody yes, wants communism. No, there are not. Who, who's <laughs> sadly, sadly, yes, there are. No, look there at the breadliners. Look at Caleb Malpin and people like that. Yes, there are still actually communists out there that profess mm. communism. Quite but, not, but specifically I'm leaders. exist. Just to be clear, if we're talking about leaders, not just uh, thought leaders, but actual politicians, there aren't that many, but they do exist. Like, would you say AOC would be an example of somebody who She's leads in that communist. direction? She's not a communist because she wants to make more money. She's not a communist. She lives in a she lives in a in a, in a capitalistic world. Mm. She never has spoken that she wants everything to be nationalized. No, she's not a communist. No. And I don't think communist is being taught in school at all. I, I think that you want to use the the idea that because it was created or the theory, the lawful theory was created by communists, that then therefore it is communism. It's not communism. Why would they why would they not promote their own theoretical backdrop? That's like saying that if a bunch of, of Mises capitalists, like a really, really hard on libertarian capitalists, develop an educational plan. Would you be able to parse that apart from their socioeconomic views? Like, why would they? Why would they push? Why would they push a view system that didn't coincide with their particular uh, their particular mentality? Okay, I, I I get the concept of theory. I'm talking about reality. Go into so a schoolroom. I'm gonna go into a schoolroom and show me what lessons are teaching communism. I I would say that critical race theory is an element thereof. It's just a it's just a part of that. It's it's basically uh, critical race theory is basically if you take communism but you get rid of the class warfare thing because clearly that didn't work. It fell flat, and you take that out and you put in race struggle instead, and you make it all about race instead of class. What the communists wisely realized is that class struggle didn't work as long as there was reasonable wealth for the middle class because there were never enough people to rise up and overthrow the bourgeoisie and install the uh, hammer and sickle. What they've realized now is that it makes much more sense to install race as opposed to class because there's much more of a mixing of race in certain Western nations. Okay. And so they're so, hoping to get those people to have uh, to be at each other's throats, even though all of their students, regardless of their gender, their creed, their race, are being ill served by the public education system by critical race theory appearing anywhere in the curriculum. Okay, so so the theory that it's communism is when you're uh, creating groups of people who are different by now their race, where before they were different by being workers or the bourgeoisie. No, that's, that's not what, what I'm saying. saying. No, what I'm saying is that the same the same exact principles of the class struggle in communism have simply been changed out for a race struggle. Class struggle does naturally exist. So does racial struggle. There are there are inequalities between groups of people and there's fighting and there's oppression, slavery, etc. But the exact same premise 
of communism, a la the Soviet Union, has simply been recycled in exchange for race theory, as opposed to class theory. It is effectively nothing more than taking Karl Marx and saying, no, it doesn't matter actually if you're richer or poorer, since most of the leaders of critical race theory are multimillionaires. You see them buying third homes all the time. They, they've decided that they don't have a problem with capitalism. What they really have a problem with is the fact that they don't have a big enough slice of the pie, and they're hoping to take gullible people who happen to have a darker complexion than them and grift off of them. It's the same as Al Sharptonism. It's the same as David Duke. It's the same as all these morons. That's basically what critical race theory is. It's id poll. So the idea of critical race theory, what I understood it, or what I call um, tolerance, or you call, or it's called equity and inclusion, right? That's what you also call CRT, right? Equity and inclusion. No, so, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say inclusion or equity is part of CRT. No, not based, not based on not based on the initial uh, academic premises. No, it has okay. nothing to do with those things. Okay. It may use it may use it uses equity as a facade, but it never actually explains how it will achieve it, other than using the same system that it self proclaims has been taken over by white supremacists. How do you take a government that's run by a bunch of right wing white Nazis? And weaponize that to create equality for anyone else in the culture. Just to be just to be clear, though, when we're talking about equity as opposed to equality, we mean equity being uh, outcome as opposed to uh, giving people the chance. So it's equality of outcome, which is communism. Yeah. Yes, equality of outcome is actually stupid. So um, you call it communism. I just I think it's what. Stupidity and communism are synonymous. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. We can we can we can go with that. I can agree with that. Mm. So nobody wants equality of outcome. That that would it wouldn't even it doesn't even work. Humans don't function like that. Humans need competition. That's how they are in their DNA. So the, the idea of teaching tolerance and equity and inclusion, which is to create a society that is less racist. Would you agree with that? Uh, no, I wouldn't. You wouldn't? Okay. No. I, if an individual is racist, then trying to uh, restructure society is not going to change their mind. If anything, it's more likely to make them bitter. Okay. So the I, I, th I, think, I think that if you're going to try bitter. to... Is potentially, yes. It could make them violent as well. I think the better thing is to provide a, a ladder for everyone within society, irrespective of race, irrespective of gender, etc., to create a society in which people can get ahead. And we had this for a very, very long time. And okay. many, many people got ahead. And then socialism came along and has been destroying it ever since. Okay. I, I, I disagree with that. Totally disagree with that. Because school funding, school funding is based on segregation. <laughs> it's based on segregation. It's based on income, right? Because property taxes. And so generational... Uh, in a generational way, we've defunded school systems and, and certain schools that had more non-white children, right? We've done um, this all over the country. You mean you mean more poor children, I believe. Yes. If there's more, an overlap there. It is it is of necessity coincidental. It's uh, you. Do you think that the school system in rural West Virginia is any better? This gets right into our argument about gentrification that we're going to have too. It'd be interesting if uh, if we 
as as reasonably well off people as I assume that you are with by the fireplace behind you moved into rural West Virginia, uh, we would be gentrifying that too. And the school system we'd be paying into would still suck. Well, we're both white. It doesn't have anything okay. to do with our race. We're not we're not black. I'm okay. not a person of color. I'm not okay. one of AOC's friends. Okay. I'm not talking about us moving into a, a neighborhood right now because we're not talking about gentrification yet. We're talking about school funding. The school funding system is based on property taxes. Segregation, redlining, all that stuff that happened before and the reality today is that zip codes are maintained in a certain income. Appraisal of houses, which we'll talk about later, and all that is creating certain zip codes to have less funds, less wealth. Less wealth means less funding for school. Less funding for school means a different education system. So now you create an a, a unfair education system. So that's what I call racism. Racism is, is a system where the government and the, the, the free market collaborate together and make sure that certain people don't get wealth. Of the course, free market, the free market of necessity cannot collaborate with the government. It's the absence of government impetus and control over the market. So you're talking about an intervened in market. Effectively, what you're talking about is actually local and state governments more than anything else being to blame for the problem. How the hell does that have to do anything with capitalism or the free market? Because the school funding system is based on property taxes. So the there shouldn't be a property tax. It should be it should okay. be per student. There should be an equal amount per student. I agree. I, OK, we both agree. We good, both good agree. capitalist. OK, we but converted her, everyone. OK, but school vouchers. Also, the, the student goes with whatever funds he gets for himself. If he's in a zip code that is lower, his funds are lower. So school vouchers only work anyway for a small amount of people. So that's not so that's not the solution. Well, the solution, as to purchasing power too. I mean, if you give the same exact voucher to someone in San Francisco versus someone in Buttfuck, West Virginia, there's okay, gonna but, be a huge differential. Okay, but we're I guess not the West Virginian students happy. School vouchers don't fun function like that. School vouchers function within an area, right? So if I'm in Baltimore City and I want to go to Baltimore County and I can get a voucher to do that, it's very difficult. It's going to be within Baltimore City, right? And then I'm going to be it'd, able it'd to- be a lot cheaper. It'd be a lot cheaper if we kicked the federal government out of schools, just to tell the truth. That that could be. That could be. That's another- that okay. Well, that's we only federalized the educational system in the last 50 years. We were the envy of the world within education until the federal government decided to show up. Well, and these problems and these problems absent segregation and Jim Crow that was dem led weren't a problem at the time. It's where oh gun God. control came from too in the United States. 1876 Crookshank decision. Jim Crow. So if you were to uh, get rid of all the government-related problems when we're talking about these uh, uh, accusations of racism going on, what would we be left with in terms of uh, racism and uh, unfairness in terms of uh, society? I mean, there's. It, in, um, I'm not talking about individual racism because that's something that's... Um, tribalism is a human behavior, and so... As long as people have fear of others, there's going to be individual racism. 
when you're what you're talking about, what I'm talking about is systemic racism. If you take the government out of it, I guess it doesn't exist anymore, right? Because the government is implementing this system. Yeah, the will of the the will of the tribalistic racist individuals is amplified by government. Hence, why we should abolish most of the functions of government. Okay, You're a good libertarian now. <laughs> no, libertarianism is a utopia. I I have no. There's no way. Only if it's an ANCAP. Mm. Well, now may be a good time for us to get to the second part of the discussion, with the last one being guns. We're going to be talking about that again, speaking of a libertarian society. But let's uh, get on to uh, gentrification, as well as your own experiences as far as uh, being in New York City and all that, like the experience that you got from seeing what you saw there that informed uh, how you think about it. So let me know. Okay, so gentrification is, for me, it's two factors. One factor is um, historical, so segregation, zoning, redlining, and now appraisal. So a house in uh, the 1950s that was owned by a black person was not evaluated the same way as a house owned by a white person. Um, and this still happens today. There are examples today of people who they say whitewash their house. They change take all the pictures out make sure the house and the appraisal goes up so there's a there's an issue with with the system itself with the segregation the zoning the redlining and the appraisal and then the second part is the concept that you go into a neighborhood that was under evaluated uh for so many years whether that means that they didn't take care good care of the homes there was more crime there was more poverty and um investments go into these neighborhoods uh, buy these houses at a very low price and then the prices go up and they raise and they make lots of money like that where i lived in um, brooklyn new york in 1984 my rent was 350 for a one bedroom Today, the same uh, apartment, more or less, in the same street, is three thousand five hundred. Biden so the, inflation. The, that's not Biden inflation. That's gentrification. That's the concept of you go into a, a neighborhood that was under-evaluated for so many years, <clears> and <throat> then you decide you're going to uh, gentrify it, so the the values of homes go up and. It, go, it puts everybody out that live there. And so, yeah, so gentrification has two, two factors. Uh, Lore, uh, you just said um, something very interesting just now. That is that part of that was that people wouldn't take care of the property, et cetera. It was, it was shabby or something like that. Uh -huh. You appear to be correlating that with race, and that's really not a good look. Okay. So do so. Are you are you claiming that black people take care of properties less, and so a bunch of whitey people move in and they put a coat of paint on it, and all of a sudden the rent doubles or something like that? Because that sounds like I hate to say, no. but it sounds racist what you just said. Okay. Like like even by my very lax standards. It's not. It's not racist because it's reality. It's not about. It's not about. It's not the black, black, the black it's people not, don't take care no, of their homes. No, I didn't say black people didn't take care of their homes. I said poor people don't take care of their homes. And in this case, it was <laughs> now you're classist. 
you see and the, I'm classist. The whole, yes and, and but it's the reality it's the reality if I, you don't I, have, I know as a poor as a poor person you, i know i never swept the listen, floor it, it, no no listen no it's the, not the about point, that it's not about i know cleaning. i know lower you're not getting any actual judgment from me i'm satirizing you you've got to understand the context of what you're saying what you're the number one is wokeness what you're saying if you had an r after your name instead of a d or something would be deemed racist you'd probably already be kicked off the fucking stream that's number one number two this has nothing to do with race if i move into a poor neighborhood all white by the way barefoot and in the kitchen fucking horseradish growing out front we got some ochre growing out back if i move into a toothless marlboro nothing town in west virginia right now and I put up a McMansion, it will gentrify the community. It has nothing to do with race. Redlining is a problem. I don't even believe in the existence of things like housing authorities. I think they should pound sand. And we probably agree on that, by the way. I don't care about the community. What I'm saying is that you, you would look at a community, uh, let's say uh, historically white, so West Virginia, Alabama, or something like that. A black dentist moves in make six figures. And then a black neurosurgeon moves in and then a black businessman or something. They're gentrifying that community. The community was all white before. Now it's more black, but somehow the rent is doubled. All of a sudden there's a Starbucks on the corner because they really want their Starbucks because they're masochistic and, and crazy. Meanwhile, a bunch of poor white people with absolutely nothing move into a historically black neighborhood that's middle class but they've got nothing and they don't know how to take care of the property, all of a sudden the rents decline. How does this have anything to do with race unless you're dragging in an argument that certain races or certain classes are better or worse at managing property? No, I've never said that. And don't I know, I know but, but that would be the insinuation. No, because redlining was about race. Can you agree on that? Yes, but we're beyond okay, so, redlining. We're okay, talking so, about the current age. I understand. We're not talking Red, about the segregation era. I understand, but redlining is not that far away. I was just born when redlining was over. It was 1968. What happened afterwards was but it's like... 20, it's 2022 now. I understand this, but the real estate market continued the same system. They continued the same system, even though it wasn't uh, allowed or or done by the government officially, it's, they still continue the same system where they, they put people in certain pockets. And in America, it's income and race that define these pockets. Well, income has to define that. Uh, obviously, if you have people of very low income concentrated within an area, it's going to be less attractive for investors. That's not because they're trying to be hateful. It's just because they're trying to actually do business. And if that happens to overlap with race, the race is secondary to that at most. They're, go they're still going to prioritize, hey, this neighborhood here is very poor. We have to invest X amount of dollars to buy up X amount of properties in order to gentrify it. It doesn't matter who moves in. It could be the black neurosurgeon or it could be some white person. It doesn't really matter. It could be a bunch of people uh, who originally came from Korea. What I, the hell does that have to do with ethnicity or race? Because black properties were undervalued. What does, because, to, what, what does under, that have to do with the people moving in? The, people, the, black, the black neurosurgeon makes a quarter million dollars a year. I understand. I understand. Your example is a class uh, only has to do with class. I understand that. Wealth it has to do with wealth. But in America, 
black neighborhoods were were in reality something that existed and is uh, um, comes from segregation. Just because segregation was over, it didn't mean all of a sudden all oh, everybody mixed up. Everybody got together and and grew up. You live in you live in Europe. There is no. There are poor neighborhoods and rich neighborhoods in Europe, but you don't go into a neighborhood and you go, oh, there's only black people here. Oh, there's only uh, Chinese I would people dis- here. Uh, no, I, I would disagree with that. You might want to uh, go to the Balmer in Amsterdam, which is being gentrified, by the way. And the crime rate is going down as a result of this uh, gentrification. Could the same thing also be said of the Appalachians versus the Wasps in the United States, where a lot of uh, poor people who were living in the Appalachia region were within that particular culture, and they are still in that particular culture uh, for the most part. There wasn't as much of a uh, growth towards the same levels of eliteness. So I don't know. Would that be another example that doesn't really talk about race as much as uh, class and just certain cultural things being passed on. Yes, but I think that in America, there's a particular, um, there's a particular urbanization of, of how, how racial groups were, were living, working and communicating with each other. And I don't think that in 2000, 22, it's much different than when I first discovered America, you know, 35 years ago. But you were in New York City, right? I was in New York City, yes. Did, did you ever go out to like the hinterlands, like where I'm from, where we grow our horseradish? Did you ever come yeah. around these here yonder parts with the general store? So I also lived in Massachusetts. Is that close enough to you? Uh, which city? It depends. Waltham, Massachusetts. Okay, is Outside that a suburb of... of- Boston. Boston, yes. Yeah. Suburb of so, Boston. so, you, so you've been in an urban or a suburban enclave of urban area. Have you ever spent an extended period of time living in small town or extremely rural America, like out in the, in the mountains or something? No. Okay. So then, so then your experience is going to be different from those of us who actually have been dirt poor and living in the middle of nowhere. To us, something like uh, white privilege or CRT is a joke. Number one. And to us, number two, the the problems of the city slickers or flatlanders, as Vermonters tend to call them, aren't the same problems that we have. If you come to small town Vermont, you're going to see an awful lot of wood-sided general stores with people that look suspiciously like they like to play banjos a little bit too much. They're not going to disrespect you because of the color of your skin unless you're acting up. And if you're white, they're going to treat you just the same. It's entirely different than the kind of urban enclaves that you get in New York City you have a specifically extremely segregated style of system. I would admit to this, but extremely segregated. You have people of Irish extraction living here, people of Japanese extraction, people of Chinese extraction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Mexican, Argentinian, whatever. You have these different sort of enclaves, these hubs within the city. You don't really see that if you go outside of the city. I wish that people that came from Europe, as you did, would go outside of the big cities and the suburbs just for once and see what life is really, it really is for 90% of people in the United States because it's completely different. You so probably think change your mind. I don't think it's 90% of the United States considering most of Americans live in big cities. But False, false. In urban areas, define urban. Small town America is technically defined as urban. My hometown, Rutland City, is mm-hmm. defined as urban. There's nothing urban about it. 
Okay, tallest so, building we have is seven stories. So I lived in a city that was 40 <laughs> miles away from Baltimore City, and it had 11,000 people. And um, for how long? Uh, nine years. Okay. So was it a wealthy? Close? Was it a wealthy enclave? It was not a wealthy enclave. It was uh, a mixed, uh, so racially mixed uh, town with um, um, a school called the Colored School. So it had a, <laughs> a, a old um, African-American community there. Um, the school's now a museum and it had a very good mix of rich and poor people. That's wonderful. Yes. So and why didn't you, and, why and did you, why did you, why don't you point that out instead of the New York city? Because gentrification happened there too. So there was a, a street that was, uh, owned by, um, black families. When I arrived there in, um, 2000, something like that, the families were still living there. Um, a promoter, um, investor went and bought all the houses. Uh, tore down a whole bunch of them, never built them again. And then the other ones that were there, some of them got transformed. I lived in a, I rented a house there for a little bit. Um, the house uh, tripled in value within 25 years. And, uh, the, and what's the problem with that? The problem with that is why was it undervalued before? Well, if they tore it down and they improved the land, it wouldn't have really mattered who had lived there before. You could do the same thing in Cole County in West Virginia or Pennsylvania. Yes, but the house hadn't been uh, hadn't been transformed outside of making a bedroom where the, a porch was. So it wasn't. So you expanded. Was so, yeah, you expanded the property. You made it bigger. That's not That's three times the value. But OK, it is. It is. If you've torn down blighted areas near it, you shouldn't get into real estate. <laughs> Okay. Well, I, gentrification is a problem when it affects the population that lives in, in that area, right? Yeah, that, it they, affected them. They said they sold their houses for probably more than they were worth on paper. They made bank. I failed to see the problem. They got their payday. They decided that nobody forced them to sell, did they? Oh, this, okay. this, can de this can definitely be a problem. I, I will make one admission. When a group like BlackRock comes in during a housing crunch and they offer people 10, 20% over spot or something as a corporation in order to subdevelop massive areas and put in a housing authority, I agree with you. That's wrong. But if a private developer that's not a massive globalist chain or something comes in and says, hey, we'll pay you 50% more than what this property is worth. We want to put up a park here and make a little suburban lot or something. That has nothing to do with race. I'm sure they, but uh, what if they do this in an area in like West Virginia? Again, 95% white or 100% white or something. Do they it's do still it's still gentrification. Do they do it in West Virginia? That's the question I'm also. I'm sure that they do. Cuz I, I you know, I've seen it in this small town, I've seen it in 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 Brooklyn, I've seen it in Baltimore. I had I bought a house in Baltimore. I had to decide, you know, am I gentrifying? Am I not gentrifying? <laughs> like, why do you I, even care? Because I have to care about the community and making sure the community continues to grow in a natural and healthy way, and not have somebody come in and just uh, destroy the actual fiber of the community. Why would you think that you as a private individual buying or renting a house within a community would gentrify it? We're talking about developers mainly. Right. You're not you're not going to tear down the house and put up a, a parking lot or something like that. 
No, I. That's not what I was going to do. No, I live in a very old house, and I. Why? Why would you? Why? Why on earth would you think that you, as one person moving into the neighborhood, would automatically gentrify it? It was just something I was thinking about when I was buying a house. I was thinking about sort of like how you have white nationalism on the brain. Like I have white nationalism on the brain. Yeah. We haven't Seems talked to come about up that yet. Yes, it comes up a lot because I think that white nationalism is um, what we're up against right now. I think that there's white nationalism and then what you call communism or wokeness or whatever it is that you call it. So I think that, yeah, I think that white nationalism is like the the ideology now of the far right. Or always was. In, in, including among people that aren't white, just to be clear. Including yes. about 40% of, of Hispanic voters in the United States. They're, they're Nazis too. It seems like the Third Reich must have won the Second World War. I think that what happened is that over the last few years, we had a time slip. Something happened in the, in the continuum of time. And we went into a weird, bizarro world where Hitler won the Second World War. And now you've got black Nazis and Hispanic Nazis. I keep hearing that Japanese people are mostly Nazis. And how many fucking Nazis do we have to kill before we can finally put this issue to rest? Seems like they won. Hmm. Well, according to uh, Jason Giorgiani, they did win and they took a time machine back into Mars and started their own colony and created Atlantis. But that's a whole other discussion for a later time. I'm beginning to believe in the... Okay. Yeah, I'm begin. I'm be, I'm starting to be uh, believe in the Russian conspiracy theory about the Nazis going under the Antarctic ice, and they're still there, and they've got UFOs and stuff at this point. O- Operation High Jump. Look into exactly. it. Exactly. So anyway, let's get into uh, speaking of uh, the uh, big guns that are hidden in Antarctica that destroyed Admiral Byrd's fleet. Let's get into guns. Let's get guns. into gun control. Guns. So, uh, guns. Yeah. Guns. Guns. I love them. Okay. Yes, we know you do. I don't. I can't wait to buy more when I get back to the U.S. I know. I'm going to name one after you. You are. That's mm. so sweet. So nice of you. <laughs> oh, oh, and by the way, before uh, the guns. Will it be semi-automatic or automatic? Well, I wish I could buy an automatic weapon. Mm-hmm. By the way, before the guns, I just want to say we are officially at around uh, uh, three uh, BLUs, or as Sticks calls them, Biden loser units. So nice 900... Job. 931 people watching. Thank you very much, you're, everybody. You're also very, very close to breaking 10,000 subscribers. That's you're right. Within, I've you're been within 500 subs of that. I have been no much less. I am 9,991 <laughs> subs on YouTube right now. So oh, it's literally only yeah. only 10 <laughs> only 10 I'm subs so left. That's it. I am so strong. Break the rules is so strong. Yep, Why? I got 700. We... I'm good with my 700. Thank you to all my followers. I'm going to swallow your 700 now. Okay, anyway, uh, <laughs> we are going to talk about guns. But before that, listen, nice. all the people who are watching right now, all 900 of you, go to the Break the Rules Discord. I have never shilled the Discord before in a live stream with sticks, and I'm doing it right now. I'm sending the link. You can see it above. It's pinned. Go to the Discord. Join the BTR community. BTR is bringing everybody together. Alex Stein is coming in soon. We are going to be having a lot of great streams coming up, including with several famous people who I am not going to announce yet, but you know who you you know who they are, and you are going to see them in action. Anyway, with that being said, subscribe, patreon.com slash break the rules. Go for it, Laura. <laughs> Go for it. Um, what a lead in. Guns. Guns. Um, gun deaths. Lots of gun deaths every day. Um... 
220 deaths a day, about. Uh, most of them from suicide, some of them from homicide, uh, some of them from accidents, and some of them from police. Uh, how do we prevent gun deaths? So my idea is uh, red flag laws um, and a very strange concept of responsibility. If the gun is yours, if you bought it for your son and your son goes out and kills somebody, you should be have the responsibility. Very strange, right, to think that. So uh, because I lived in Switzerland, which is a country that has lots of guns, um, uh, 46 percent of households in Switzerland have guns, um, semi-automatic, uh, a semi-automatic at least. And uh, they do have um, you have to register, you need a permit and you are held responsible if your gun is used for a crime. So what do you think, Sticks? Should people be responsible for a gun that was used in a crime? No, not generally speaking. I believe that the person who actually wields the firearm should be held responsible in general. Obviously. Uh, to, to be clear, uh, I've, I've got a different take on how to stop gun crime uh, okay. of, or gun deaths, rather. They're gun different deaths. metrics. Gun deaths. Two thirds of them are suicides. Why aren't we talking about mental health? If you can stop two thirds of all gun crimes in the United States just by addressing that one topic, why are we worrying about the evil, terrible, horrible AR-15, which believe is actually something that you can have in your native Switzerland as well, if I remember correctly, yes. or at least guns that are comparable. Okay, well, then I don't see what banning that has to do with it. Uh, I think that we should focus on mental health for the suicides. I think that a significant proportion of gun deaths are actually justifiable homicides, but they're going to be listed in the same numbers. I don't care about those because it basically means someone tried to kill someone and got gunned down in the process of doing so. In my opinion, that shouldn't even be in the crime statistics. And I'm not sure that there are many other countries that actually do compile those in the crime statistics because, you know, they understand that it's not really a crime to defend. Do you have so. numbers for that? No, but I do believe that there are differences between how countries compile their gun data. And the problem is the U.S. has a very expansive gun death sort of schema that it uses. I don't even know if gun related suicides would generally be calculated by some nations. I don't have those numbers because they're not available. I don't even know the metrics by which some countries calculate their data. That's the whole problem. Uh, probably yeah. be better if they did. I mean, and, they don't uh, really have a problem, right? That's why there's not well, really a problem. Well I, mean, they, well, I mean, they do. They have, in some cases, higher suicide rates. Look at the Scandinavian countries. People still manage to kill themselves even in countries where there are no guns at all. So, you know, we, we should tackle mental health for that. And then of the remnant of the actual unjustifiable uses of guns, injury, death resulting, most of them are gang related and involve handguns. Go after the gangs, get rid of the soft on crime, liberal laws that have been instituted in some of the big cities across the United States, get rid of the prosecutors who have a revolving door system and throw the book at them and then arm everyone else so that when they try to burglarize a house, they get shot and they get killed. They're off the streets permanently. Good riddance. They're garbage. Take them out to the dump. Don't even give them a grave. Just dump them in the landfill is my opinion. So broken, you like broken window laws. You think that we should um, incarcerate uh, low level crimes to lower crime. 
to lower gun deaths. No, no, no. I, th I think that gun owners should kill the criminals themselves and not wait for the police. DGUs are very rare. Very what rare. Are, what are very rare? Defense and gu gun use, DGU. False. What they're extremely false? common. They're, they're, they're extremely common, actually. Okay, defense, so what, do, what do you base it on? What, 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 what? We can't even study. We couldn't even study guns until this year. Apparently, there, the, there, there are tens of there. Are, every year, there are tens of thousands of defenses of uses of firearms. Most of them don't even involve firing the weapon. Most of them involve flashing the gun at someone and they run off because they intended to mug you or rape you or something. Well, nobody was killed. It's not a gun crime. It's not a crime of any sort. They ran off. The crime was averted. Wonderful. Mm. But isn't, isn't that just a myth, though? Because, like, how is no. it not quantified? How is it not quantified? I'm sure that somebody can dig up the exact statistics, but it's in the many tens of thousands every single year within the United States. The only thing I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's fairly high, even in countries that have strict gun regulations as well, because the average person, if they approach you with a knife and they say, give me your wallet or, you know, get behind those dumpsters, it's rape time or something. And then you flash your 38 special, they'll run off. They don't have a gun. Mm. And if they do have a gun, they're still probably afraid of getting cornholed. That's that's the myth, right? That's the the, the, it's not the a myth. story that's the story that people say, oh, that's why I own guns. But the reality is No, no, the real the myth, the myth is gun crime, which is not particularly prevalent in the United States outside of a few dozen blighted urban areas filled with gangsters. You fix for that, and it's already as safe as Norway or Switzerland. Oh, so you, so you think that rural, there's no rural crime? People are not dying in rural areas. Oh, of course, there's gun crime in rural areas. It's just extremely uncommon, especially That's when uncommon. you fix for the number of gun owners. For instance, I own several firearms at home. They're not going to go off unless I'm the one using them. They're not going to be used unless I'm plinking in the backyard, unless a bear has wandered onto the property or some garden ver a garden varmint, uh, or if someone's trying to attack me. They're not going to be used in an offensive ma fashion. And I carry concealed uh, everywhere I go when I'm in the United States. I carry my Glock 42. If somebody opens up as a mass shooter in the farmer's market or something, I will respond because I don't want to get shot. Even if I didn't care about anybody else that happens to be there, I want to save my own life. Of course, I'm going to open fire. So gun crimes, 18% of gun crimes are done by guns that were bought legally. So there are some people who have bought a gun legally and then they do commit a crime. Less than one in five. That's not exactly propping up your argument. Why? Why is my? Why is it not propping up my argument? So it's You're not. An, that it's the not vast, enough deaths. So then the, the it's vast, not a problem. The, the vast minority. So uh, the problem is that the things that you suggest essentially boil down to disarming law-abiding gun owners. But you're stating that less than one in five of all those deaths was a lawful purchase in the first place. Why then would your suggestions of disarming various kinds of weapons, red flag laws, et cetera, have any meaningful impact? Okay, red flag laws only disarm people who have been um, uh, decided by or their family member or law enforcement that they are a danger to themselves or others, right? So prior to, but prior to red flag laws, still only one in five or slightly less than that involved illegal purchase. The red flag laws are, are pertaining to people presumably who legally purchased the firearm. So why why the discrepancy? It's such a tiny amount of people so, overall. So again, why so not go after the gangs? So it's again. Why, the, is, why is it that why is it that liberals have this hard on? Why is it that liberals have such a hard on 
for going after law-abiding gun owners, and they never want to address inner-city crime. There's the real that's, racism. That's, you heard that's about Highland true. Park. You heard about Highland Park and all the people killed by the Keltec, which, by the way, was not an AR-15 or an assault weapon at all. You heard about that on the news. Did you hear about the 20-plus people shot in Chicago that same weekend? No, it wasn't on the news. Nobody cared. It was a bunch of black people. And that's what I really hate about the nimbiest white liberals within the United States with the assault weapons ban sleazy fucking shit that they that they go with. They don't even care about the actual issue. They don't care about suicide. They don't care about gang violence. They only care about the tiny minority of gun deaths that involve a legal purchase of someone buying certain kinds of weapons. If it doesn't conform, if it it doesn't. Well, where did you hear about the Chicago shootings in the news? Did you hear about it from MSNBC or NBC? CNN? Um, so I live in Baltimore. Baltimore is more, uh, the, the gun rate, the gun death is higher here than Chicago. Okay. Yeah. So and other more, than the local news, so, do you hear, do you hear about the gang shootings that happen probably every weekend there? I live here. So I see the local news. So they talk <laughs> about it all the time. And I, nobody else outside of your community knows anything about it though, but they know everything about Highland Park and Uvalde. That's the point that I'm trying to make. So but, but you're trying to, because it's sensational. They killed children and they killed the other one because he killed people because they were black. Do, children not, get, do children not get killed in gang yes. drive-bys? Yes, they do. And why, on earth, why on earth is the differential there? What about Sicoria Turner, who was killed by a BLM member I, because I, she was sleeping in the back of her family's car when they tried to evade one of their riots a few years ago? Yes. You never heard you you never heard any outrage over that seven year old. That's girl not true. That's not true. There's absolutely outrage. I live in a no, city. No, there's not. Yes, there is outrage. No, there's of course not. there's outrage. Yes, Bullshit. there is. No. Bullshit. The far right says, Oh, you're you don't care about black deaths. That's not true. Everybody around me is working towards if you, if you insinuate that I'm far right, I'm gonna chew you up and spit you out. I'm a libertarian. I'm only far right on taxes and guns, mm. to be clear. No, but I, am, but I am interested in finding out right now from Lore. Lore, what are the examples you can bring up of people within your community raising up this issue of uh, gang-on-gang violence that's going on, as well as innocent people in these communities being caught in the crossfire? So everybody, everybody in my community that, you know, I've worked with um, children in difficult neighborhoods. So most of the people that I know in Baltimore work in that. And we talk about this all the time, whether it be on social media, between ourselves. Uh, we talk, we create, there's all these nonprofits that um, are organized to lower violence. There's so many people working towards lowering gang violence. What do they do uh, exactly, change. though? Can you describe a bit what exactly they do? It could be an after school program. It could be a social worker that works specifically with young men who've been in trouble with the law. It could be um, a program. I just saw another program the other day. Um, uh, she does basketball games with uh, endangered. Why are you laughing? So <laughs> basketball game. It's just a walking stereotype. The, the, the progressive attempt to reform those poor children in those underprivileged no, neighborhoods has no, never worked. No. They've been trying it since listen, the 70s. Listen, so my work, my work, my work was was uh, focused around STEM. So I didn't do basketball. I don't play basketball. I don't know anything about basketball. So my 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 work with children was around STEM. So we did Lego League. Do you know what Lego League is? I like Legos. 
Okay, so we did Lego League. So I worked with children who were between 10 and, uh, well, really five and 18, but my focus was more between the children 10 and 13. So with these children, we did Lego League. So we talked to them about STEM. We talked to them about all the technical um, field. And today, you know what they're doing? They're going to college for STEM. So that's how you, that's how you, you lower violence. You lower violence by opening up uh, their horizons to new things. And if basketball is the way you get them in, that's how you get them in. It's not a stereotype because that's what that lady was doing because that's what she knows. I don't know basketball. I didn't use basketball. I used STEM. Mm. So when I use STEM, I, I meet my kids now who are all like 22, 23, 24, 25. Uh, of those children that I worked with this Lego league and um, they all were impacted by this and all of them talk about it as the turning point of choosing to go to college instead of going to the streets. If I could that's, ask that's, what, what... that's good. You, you gentrified them and you didn't even have to disarm them. Well, if I could ask one quick question here to Lore, Lore, how much of a percentage of the kids who were in this program ended up uh, going to college and achieving a lot of these great things? If you could say, like, was it 100, 80, 70? I would say 70. Hmm. Well, that's not bad. I mean, I don't see any problem with making these kind of things. I just don't know if the problem that we're facing right now is uh, is enough for after school programs like this to fully be able to take care of which is why for example in my uh, original hometown of brooklyn you know we have hasidic jews that are being uh, beat up as well as like little old asian ladies as well as uh, you know elder uh, black people as well within the neighborhoods there and i figure you know what if they were able to defend themselves properly then I doubt a lot of the uh, you know thugs that would be assaulting them would even do that in the first place if word gets around like, hey, you never know which one of these old people is going to be armed. Like, okay, I see so that as a good thing. Can, can I weigh in really quickly? Sure. I, I like the idea of after-school Lego leagues, and if you did a good thing for people, then congrats to you. That's a wonderful thing, and, and hopefully it helped people. Uh, what I would say is, as a counterpart to that, these communities know who the gangbangers are, Give them all a bunch of weapons, give them a night of rage, and there won't be any gangs anymore. Completely yeah. disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh -huh. Yes, I trust my fellow citizens to have uh, to to to. Uh, they already they already <laughs> kill each other enough. Um, so the idea, so the no, idea, not enough. The idea of that Lev is is bringing and that you probably bring too is that more guns lower crime. Right. That's the idea. Right. The idea would yes, be that I, if more people really. had guns, it would lower crime. But if you if you look at um, gun deaths, which is you can't separate and just go with just crime. Right. Yes, but if you, you can. Look at, you can. Why, why would I care about the gun death rate when some of those are justifiable, accidental or suicide single actor? Uh, only the crime aspect so, actually so, is meaningful for public so, policy. Uh, so it doesn't for public policy. Why? The, Why is the, a suicide well, death not a violent death? Well, I mean, because the suicide, if they can't shoot themselves, will just hang themselves or drink poison or something. The accidental death could just as easily be an accident with some moron who's using a knife or a bow or anything else. And because the justifiable death can't be classed as a crime because it's justifiable. But you can say that for crime too. If the, if there were no, then there would be no crimes in London, right? Aren't they? killing each other with knives. So I, I don't understand what the point is. You said you said that if they 
if they did have guns, they would commit suicide anyway. Well, if they don't yeah, have guns, which is guns, why the suicide rate is just as high or higher in in nations that have fewer guns. It doesn't correlate to gun ownership. Only the gun-related suicide rate does because the gun is pretend, potentially easier. But they still will hang themselves, drink poison, slit their wrists, or jump in front of a train. So I so, don't see exactly so why. So you're saying more guns, less guns doesn't change the suicide rate, so we should not consider it. Yes. Okay. And so... And that's two-thirds of the gun deaths, so that's a huge chunk of them. Okay. That's significant. So every time there's more guns, there's more gun deaths. So No, there's not. Uh, you know you know how we you know how we know this? How? Because the gun ownership skyrocketed over the course of the 2010s and gun crime rates and violent crime rates in general plummeted. For almost 10 years there was a massive reduction from the uh, peak roughly in the middle of the 2000s which had been building up from the late 60s. The gun the gun ownership rate uh, remained roughly stable and and gun crimes went up and violent crimes in general. It then started inexplicably plummeting, despite the fact that people, in the, especially in the wake of Obama, were buying up more and more and more guns. It's funny because it actually correlates with the end of the uh, of the assault rifle ban. The moment that ends, all of a sudden people start buying up more guns and the gun crime rate goes down. It isn't until the last couple of years that it starts crawling back up again. Well, it has nothing to do with the uh, gun ownership rate, because then we would have seen a steady correlation, but there is none. It correlates instead to economic issues, mostly. People are out of work. Lockdownerism didn't help. People, mental illness became a problem more under lockdowns. And that's why I think the gun, the gun crime rate and the violent crime rate in general are higher. Mm. It's not because people own guns. It's just that the guns are the means to the violence, potentially. In their absence, there's still another weapon potentially used. Uh, Timmy McVeigh used fertilizer and killed I can't remember how many people, including a bunch of kids. He didn't need a gun. As far as uh, suicide rates go, though, I do want to push back on sex a little bit. This was something that was mentioned in an earlier stream about Israel that I want to quickly read out here. The use of firearms is a common means of suicide. We examined the effect of a policy change in the Israeli Defense Forces during adolescence access to firearms on rates of suicide. Following the policy change, suicide rates decreased significantly by 40%. Most of this decrease was due to the decrease in suicide using firearms over the weekend because that's when they uh, bring the guns back home, there were no significant changes in rates of suicide during weekdays. So I don't know what you would make of that, Sticks. That would be one thing that I would throw out here as a... Well, what I would say is, well, first, that limits to minors. Uh, that, that would be one uh, side. If you're talking about people under 18, they can't themselves purchase a weapon uh, or, or utilize it without permission. The problem is that in order to tackle that issue within the United States, you would effectively have to institute laws that regard the use of weapons by the adults within that household, which would violate the Constitution. And that, and that may or you may not uh, deem that pragmatic, but it is the constitutional reality. You would effectively be nullifying the rights of the militia simply because there happened to be a minor within a household or something of that nature. So in Connecticut and Indiana, they said that the red flag laws were not a violation to the Constitution. Well, we'll wait until the Supreme Court weighs in on that. It clearly is. It doesn't matter what the states say once SCOTUS weighs in. I have a feeling that they'll strike down red flag laws because a person is deprived of their right to bear arms, which is clearly unlawful, without a trial. No trial is instituted. No defense is presented. It clearly doesn't just violate the Second Amendment. It violates the right to a speedy and fair public trial by jury. 
but it, it seems it, to me it seems such a logical step to take if you it doesn't you, doesn't matter if it's logical it matters if it's constitutional it's the only thing the supreme court will weigh in on well and I much like and much like with, and much like with bruin i suspect the people on the left will not like the decision they'll claim it's a lawless supreme court even though it's constitutionally feasible I, I understand where the constitution functions and why it shouldn't be violated and all that. But I, I think that we also have to find solutions. And you're saying the only way to lower gun crimes is to lower gangs, but we're already working on that. So how come? Well, then why isn't it working? You've been trying to do that for 70, 80 years. The government's first, well, some of the most meaningful gun control in the United States comes in the form of the NFA back in the Tommy gun era, specifically to go after gangsters with Tommy guns. No automatic weapons, no more mail ordering. We want registrations and stuff. No more alcohol, by the way. That's the uh, make people violent. It didn't work. And what about gun crime the- was lower back then. What about the guns that, um, what are they called? Ghost guns. What about ghost guns? Sh what about should there them? be regulations them? about ghost no. guns? No, no, because until they're actually assembled, they're not a gun at all. Okay, so your idea would be like, we have no more gun laws, right? Exactly. And mm -hmm. everybody can get a gun, right? Even exactly. felons, right? No, not violent felons, because the founders would have deemed them to be criminal lunatics for the same reason they cannot vote. If you cannot vote and you cannot exercise your other rights, you cannot own a gun. But if oh. you can exercise... Oh, no, listen... If you are intelligent and rational enough to vote in the United States, if you have that right, you're able to exercise that function, why can't you own a gun? Why would you be able to vote for the president of the United States, the person calling literally all of the shots at the executive level, but you can't be trusted with a 22? It doesn't make any sense. The two should be paired together. And Bruin, by the way, agrees with this sentiment saying there is nothing unique about the Second Amendment which puts it and parses it apart from the other amendments in their practice. The fact that guns scary or guns can kill doesn't mean that it is a subjugate right secondary to the first, fourth, or any other amendment. And that's the litmus test. SCOTUS has already found this. Okay. That's why I suspect they will shoot down red flag laws and a bunch of other anti-gun laws as well. And thank goodness. Can't come too soon. Okay, then I'll reverse it to you. So if you can't vote, you shouldn't be able to touch a gun. No, you should not, which is so why no people... So which no is why people under which is why so people no under children, 18. So no children should be able to touch a gun. And you False. disagree they with They cannot you. they cannot buy a gun. Uh, they they can they can uh, they can interact with the gun. Uh, they cannot purchase the gun or themselves uh, physically own it. So I think under the supervision under the supervision of a member of the militia, which is everyone over the age of 18 within the United States, they can train on the gun. They should not be able to mm. own or purchase a gun because they are not part of the militia. And that's the litmus test. What was the situation with 16-year-olds uh, uh, bringing guns to school back in the 50s, 60s? I don't recall exactly what that was. What was going on there? Like, did they own the gun or where were they? What exactly? They were target shooting. Hmm. Okay, but in that sense, were they the owners of the guns uh, or no? They didn't purchase the guns, but they were given them generally by their parents. They're not, they're not due the right to own the weapon, though. They can de facto own the weapon because the parent has purchased it on their behalf and said, look, you know, you can play around with this 22 and stuff. But they can't go into a gun store and buy a weapon. And I'm fine with that. Voting is slightly different because, of course, it's a very personal registry. You can't have your kid vote by proxy or something on your behalf. It's the I, same as the right I, to I privacy. Think, I, think, I think that if, if your concept is that 
uh, you need to be an adult to buy a gun, then you need to be an adult to touch a gun. Why? I, 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 I just, because, because that's what you said. You said that um, if a felon, uh, a felon should not get a gun because they should not be trusted to vote, right? They're, cr they're a criminal. Said. No, I'm saying they're, they would have been reckoned a criminal lunatic by the founders. They would have been in an asylum back then. We don't unfortunately use asylums anymore, but the principle remains originalist. It remains the same. What okay. I'm saying is that children should not be able to purchase a firearm. They should not be able on their own without permission to handle a firearm. If the parent wishes to train them on a firearm, the parent owns the firearm. It's their responsibility at their time what the kid does with it. If you hand a kid a 22 and say, look, we're going to go plinking, and they accidentally shoot someone, absolutely, the parent is responsible. They are the one training them. Okay, Beyond so that, the government has no role. So we're back to we're back to the responsibility of a gun. So if a person, a parent buys a gun for a child, the <laughs> child goes and commits a crime, then the parent should be held responsible. If they have bought the gun for a minor, yes. Okay. If they have if they have specifically transferred de facto ownership of a firearm to another person, they're responsible. Absolutely. That's not controversial. That's not controversial. When no. what when has a parent gotten uh charged with something because their child went out and killed people? I don't have any specific examples, but it's not a controversial concept. But that's only if the if the ownership was effectively transferred to an individual and the individual uses the firearm to do something uh, wrong and they're a minor, uh, so they can't purchase the weapon on their own. It's quite clear who supplied them with the weapon and it wasn't the gun owner. I mean, it wasn't the gun store. It's not an FFL or something like that. I don't I mean, see the problem. I don't we, see the problem with prosecuting them. We just had a really big case last year of a young kid who bought a gun through somebody else, then uh, was forgiven for buying that gun through somebody else and then killed people. And he was not accompanied by his parent. It wasn't his parent that bought the gun and mm. nobody got in trouble for it, oh, right? But, by the way, there is an example of Ethan Crumbly that was brought up in the chat uh, earlier where James and Jennifer Crumbly, the parents of the accused Oxford High School shooter, Ethan Crumbly, were denied a bond reduction. They are facing charges in connection with the fatal school shooting. So there we go. That is an example of parents being uh, taken to the woodshed, so to speak. And that's fine. Okay. So before we get to Super Chats, I have one final question to ask you, kind of circling <laughs> circling back Jen Psaki style and what was discussed about... Well, Lev, uh, Lev yes. really quickly, I do, yes. I do have to go off fairly quickly because I also have to cook dinner. Mm. And it's like 100 degrees, so... All right, so before you get to endure that uh, hellish heat, I just want to say real quick before the Super Chats, would you give a bit of a uh, thought to the idea that maybe some people in um, Baltimore, some older people, that they would be able to properly defend themselves uh, from the gangs if they were well-armed? Would you be able to trust the people who you know who may have gotten abused, beat up, uh, to defend themselves uh, from this? I have no way of measuring that, um, so I, I can't even answer. My, cons my, my information is that more guns create more deaths, so um, Stick says it's not true. I, all I see is that it is true. So I, I, I can't imagine having no guns. I know about gun-free zones, and I know how it also 
break um, because it 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 um, protects uh, black people. But I I I can't answer that. I can't mm. answer that. All right, no problem. To me, more guns, more deaths. We're going to move on to the Super Chats now. So Federal Reserve has committed treason for $5. CRT is based off polylogism. Polylogism is complete nonsense and unscientific. REL2, $1,000, $10. CRT plus living language equals 1984 style doublespeak. Dean Rock, five pounds for more milk, nines, and soy juice. Yeah, I'm going to be staying away from the latter. I'm not sure what a nines is. Uh, sticks. Do you know what that Nine is? That energy a... drink, the best energy drink made right here in the Netherlands. Mmm, yummy. Oh. Scotty S. Nine ninety nine. Communism is simply the final form of socialism. Socialism collapses under its own ideals. There are known socialists in the Democratic Party. They detest individualism and systems that support it. Sebastian Monroe. Two dollars. Great stuff. Sending preemptive victory clanks. America first rifleman. Two dollars. Uh, oh, white people like her. And I don't think this, this is from him, white people like her are dangerous to black people like me. He was using, like, the colors uh, emojis. Musically Assured Destruction, 999. Lore, are you familiar with Communist Mao's five black categories? There are published American lesson plans teaching children whites are fundamentally problematic. Wouldn't that breed more resentment? I know, I want... All right. Uh, Sebastian Monroe, $2, 2010 call. They want their reply girl back. Ah, no, uh, Laura, you're, you're wonderful. Okay, listen, people, respect Laura for coming in here. Think of yes, her like you let would. Me, a, let, me, yeah. let, me, let me point that out, too. I do, I do respect you for coming on here. So I realize that the comments may get a little bit edgy or something. I hope there's no bad blood, and it is a good discussion. There's no bad blood, and I'm yeah. glad we had the discussion. And I, I wasn't here to convince you. I just want to have the discussion. So thank we'll, you we'll for, have a re, for asking. We'll have a rematch on religion sometime. <laughs> Ooh, but you know, maybe religion, I think we agree more than you think. Yeah, mm. probably. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, that, that may be something for Alex Stein. I don't know where Alex Stein stands specifically on religion, although he could also be kind of spiritual too. Anyway, America First Rifleman, $2. Let me debate. Uh, black vo uh, Trump voter here, she is wrong. Musically Assured Destruction, four ninety nine. Question for all. There was more gun availability half a century ago in America, yet there are more novel mass shootings in the past 20 years. Why? I don't know. Sticks, you want to... Take this one. Yeah, we've 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 got more gun control now, and we've got more gun crime, and uh, the former goes before the latter. No, they, but he he's, he he said uh, something about the the mass shootings, right? Isn't that what? You yes, mean? yes, there are yeah, more you, mass. You had you mass, prior... mass, mass shootings is uh, is because there's like this glorification of being a mass shooter. So I well, think that's the another... media's fault. Mm, is it the media's fault? Yeah, look at Geraldo Rivera and people who uh, talk about it incessantly from the 80s on. Mm. All right, to finish up the Super Chats here, Dane S, 199, too easy to abuse red flag laws. Musically assured destruction, once again, 499. There was no national coverage of Sequoia Turner's murder, only heard on independent media. I heard it from Sticks. That's the first time where I heard uh, Sequoia Turner's name. I heard uh, it first on 4chan. I, I read a, I read an article on The Guardian, which is very MSM, um, uh, that had the list of all the people that were killed during the summer of 220. And um, interestingly enough, a lot of them were killed by white nationalists, but um, it was absolutely there. I, I, I 
I don't know what you guys are talking about. I always hear about these things. Support your... But there wasn't a whole lot of there weren't a whole lot of media reports that specifically talked about it as though it was some sort of terrible tragedy, even though it was a little girl that was killed while sleeping in the back of her parents' car while they tried to go around a riot. Hmm. But it's it's disproportionate coverage, which was the problem, not the fact that it was never mentioned, but the fact that it wasn't given any particular importance. But how do you and measure it, that? How do you how do you say, oh, this one has more made more noise than the, than, than the other one? Like, how do you well, look at it? George? George Floyd has statues to him and Sequoia Turner was a page B news article for a day. And it's just rather mm. sad because she never held a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach. So I but think she deserves a statue more. George. OK, I, I, I get the concept, but George Floyd is a symbol now and the symbol of police brutality is not a, a like a. a what about a symbol of BLM? What about a symbol of BLM brutality firing into a car that's trying to get away from you and killing a little girl? We should have a Sequoia Turner statue right next to every George Floyd statue staring him down like that little girl statue <laughs> that they have on Wall Street in front of the bull. I think they moved her away from the... No, they moved the bull away from her now. Not her away from the bull, I yeah, think. We need... Well, Sequoia Turner, 2024. Build those statues, boys. Mm. Let's get clanking. Melt oh, down your spoons. Wait, before the rest of the Super Chats, real quick, can you tell me one example of the white nationalists from 2020 that you remember as far as white nationalist murders uh, happening? Like, what? which one would you say is really present in your mind? Uh, I was... Uh... Boogaloo, Boogaloo, Boogaloo. I don't know what, how, exactly how you say it. The Boogaloo Boys? Yes, the Boogaloo Boy. They killed out two cops. Hmm. Well, but yes. do, you re do you remember their names? or? I don't. But I can look it up and I'll send it to you. Yeah. Mm. I know. They were, they were dressed less well than me. My Hawaiian shirt is more authentic. Mm. There was also some strange, I don't know if there was any glowing activity with the Boogaloo boys as far as some of their, uh, well, anyway. Doc Holiday, $2. This isn't even fair. I'm embarrassed for her. LOL. Rel2, $1,000. $10. Tyrants always take the guns for quote-unquote public safety before they can start their real work. Doc Holiday, $5. Baby Clanker Diaper Fund. Nanya, $4.99. Question, is her position that children shouldn't be taught civics, voting, and politics till 18? Because that's the same as touching firearms? No. No. My, my opinion is that civics has to be taught. I think philosophy should be taught when children are little, and civics should be taught the whole time they're in school. Absolutely. Civics Does that is very the important. Second Amendment? That includes the Second Amendment, and that includes the First, and that includes the Fourth. That includes all of the amendments. We should talk about um, uh, uh, forfeitures, seizure forfeitures. Civil asset should, forfeiture. Yes, there we go. We should we, we should talk about all kinds of things. We should talk about Ironically, we, we, we probably talk, agree on that topic. Yeah, mm. we should talk about financial literacy and how debt is like the, 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 the economic system in America. We should talk about a lot of things in school. I, I'm, how would we not talk about civics? That would be stupid. But I think, but I think that the point was was if you're supposed to teach people about the upcoming rights that they fully gain when they're 18, like privacy, voting, etc., why wouldn't you also include marksmanship, gun safety, maintenance, and stuff to make sure that when they are a full member of the militia at 18, that they're capable of using a firearm safely? Because I think that children don't have the mental ability to be able to make the right decisions when in contact with such dangerous objects i was using guns when i was 15. i have i have no doubt about that 
I have no doubt that you were using guns young. I think that yeah, and I never, I never did anything wrong with them because, yeah. of course, uh, especially okay. when, especially What's... when you're younger, it's kind of intimidating. So you're ex extra careful. Mm -hmm. I, I would, I would love to see a study with all the mass shooters, the the young mass shooters that have killed, and see how young they were when they touched a gun. Like I would love to see how if there's a correlation there. I think that, I, don't, I don't think so. The uh, the Northland Park dude who turned 18 and then immediately bought his guns. He was already 18 before he ever touched one. Apparently, hmm. I grew up in a household that had guns. Never saw them. Never. Never saw yeah. the guns. I knew my, they were there. To be clear, my daughter will grow up in a household where she sees guns regularly and trains on them from a young age, so that if uh, you know someone tries to victimize her, she can kill them. Mm. I, I, and keep in I, mind, Sticks it was a, quite a hellraiser, from what I understand. When he was young, yeah, and even I was then, fucking crazy. I was fucking crazy. I have never trained a gun at a person or done anything untoward with a gun, and never would. They're just for self-defense and/or for hunting or whatever you need to do. You know, mm. Bidenomics might make me awfully scarce. You might want to buy a 22 as well. You know, you never know. Grab some rabbit. Yeah. Well, I have what... a rabbit. I have a rabbit in my you garden. Might have to, you might have to kill and eat it. <laughs> Not killing it. I love it. He's so so cute. Not killing it. Can you show the rabbit on the screen while we're... Not right now, but... Oh, all right. He's around. But I'll, I'll right. send you a picture. I have plenty of... All right. I... Well, rabbit stew is reckoned as very delicious. Yeah, but I... unfortunately, you can't survive off of rabbit. Eventually, you have to have some fat because rabbits are just pure uh, protein. Oh, shit. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, we are finishing this up. I want to thank Sticks and I want to thank Lore for being here again. Much respect to Lore for being here and doing this. This is not every day that this happens and this only happens on Break the Rules where you can get people who are so incredibly different, different in age, different in how they grew up, different in all these different things, bring them all together here and seeing what happens. Also, final Doc Holiday Super Chat. No NRA member has ever committed a mass shooting and patreon.com slash break the rules i posted in the link right now become a patron listen there was supposed to be a stream that's happening this thursday about january 6th i may be postponing that one you'll see it right after this stream is over so be sure to click on it i may be postponing that one for a little bit later just because one of the people who i really want to bring in is vish burra for those who do not know who vish burra is he is a close associate of uh uh what's his name um uh, the guy who worked for Trump, you know who I'm, Bannon, Steve Bannon, close associate of Steve Bannon, and he's the communications director for Carl Palladino, who was... Laura, uh, Laura yeah. you should go on that one. <laughs> yeah, that should be pretty, pretty interesting. Bannon uh, is a white nationalist, absolutely. Well, you can, you can talk to him about that. You can talk to Vish about he that. Tell, he says it. Have you not seen his, his words? He says L it Laura is going to be your new favorite guest. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait. All right. Well, anyway, I'm going to see when exactly this is happening. Maybe we'll have another one with Vish about a similar subject than this one we're going to have on Thursday. Not clear yet, but all the patrons who become patrons today, when you become a patron, you are going to have a chance to participate in these streams as well, bringing you guys in for the discussion all the way live. And once again, Sticks, thank you very much. Is there any final things you guys want to plug before we go? Oh, I'm all set. I want to say one thing. Thank you, Sticks, because um, you gave me this opportunity to speak. So thank you for that. Free speech is good. 
Free speech is good. I love the First Amendment. I also love Excellent. the second one. I know you do. Oh, and, uh, and final, final, final thing. For all the real Big Six fans out there, you see this beautiful magnet. No, not a magnet. It's a wooden sculpture. My father, Alexander, created sticks. You already have one of these. You know what it looks like. And uh, if you become a $50 patron, you are going to get one very close, similar to what you see on the screen right now. $20 patron gives you a smaller dragon, like a smaller wooden magnet dragon, or like a random wooden magnet if you're not a fan of sticks. But if you are a fan of sticks and you become a patron, let me know what is crackalacking with that. And by the way, I think we have, yeah, we have a thousand people who are watching even more, like 1,200 who are watching earlier. So that is like, what is that? Four BLUs? How, how many BLUs is that? Yeah, that would be a four BLUs, yeah. Four BLUs, there we go. Excellent. Yes, lastly, Discord. Here's the Discord link. Everybody who is watching, go to Discord right now. Become part of Break the Rules. It's going to keep growing. Thank you, Six. Thank you, Lore. Take care. Good night, everybody. 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 Good night, everybody.